0: so we're in a uh, series coming together reflecting the culture of heaven and uh, it, it, it this is um, number five in, in the series um, as pastor Tom um, talked about you can catch up online um, we got video on youtube our our uh, website has video um, we also have our audio podcast on iTunes um, so there's no no reason for you to ever fall fall behind or not to to keep pace with, with the body here because we're building something. We're building something. I don't know if you n- realize that or not, but we don't come to church just to check a box and fill an obligation and stay on the, the nice list and off the naughty list. We come to church because we believe that God is alive and he's working in the earth today, that he's working in our lives today, that he wants to do something in our life that he has a d- destiny and a purpose for our existence. And, and this is where we come to get focused. This is where we come to get inspired. This is where we come to, to get energized and edified. And in and, and this series, um, we're a church that desires to reflect a culture that answers the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. You know, there's a prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray. His disciples says, how are, we, how are we to pray? Teach us the right way to pray. This isn't the Lord's prayer. This is our prayer. You understand that? Because he told us this is how we're supposed to pray. And there are people that parrot this prayer all over the world every Sunday. You know what? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But they, do they really listen to what they're saying? what Jesus asked us to pray he says thy will be thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven do we believe that do we believe that that's the desire of god and if that's the desire of god for his kingdom to come on Earth and his will to be done on Earth, as it is in heaven, should that not also be our desire? For far too long, we've been told that the goal of Christianity, that the Christian life is all about leaving Earth and going to heaven. right? And that's true. If you were to leave the earth today, you would be in heaven. To be separate from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? That is true. But that's not God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate goal is not for us to get to heaven, but for heaven to get into the earth. Right? Most of us got saved because we want to go to heaven one day. What happens if we started preaching the gospel and saying, you can experience heaven today? Is that not what Jesus told us to pray? I'm a follower of Jesus. How about you? So I'm going to believe what he said. See, we all we all live in spheres of influence. A sphere is a ball. <laughs> you live in a sphere of influence. You do you realize that you have influence in the earth? You might not have you don't have might not have influence in the whole earth, but you have a sphere of influence that you each one of us has. And and, and these spheres of in these spheres of influence, we have a greenhouse where culture where the culture of heaven can be cultivated and manifest in tangible ways. Do you know our homes, our homes are a sphere of influence? Do you know that you have authority upon what goes on in your home? Do you know you set the temperature? Now being a father, I know most men right now just went right to the thermostat. No one touches the thermostat, but But Dad, ain't that right, kids? I come home once in a while, and they messed with him. I don't know what it. That's just a Dad thing. I don't know. It's almost like it's uh. It was passed on from generation to generation. It's a generational curse of (laughs) of wanting to control the temperature of the house. But anyways. But when I talk about setting the temperature of your home i'm not talking about the, the the physical temperature of heat and cold i'm talking about the atmosphere the presence the experience of the home does peace dwell there right is there joy we can control that your home is an area where you have dominion. You understand that? And you, you experience this. You experience this. We just went through the, the Christmas shopping se- season. And there is a big difference between a shopping center that you go into, and Christmas music's playing, it's all decorated, there's just a presence there. And then you leave that one and you go to one where there's no celebration. It, 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 it's an atmosphere that's tangible that you can experience. Churches, churches create atmospheres. Because you hear people talk about, it. they're just not friendly. It's just cold there. They're not warm. Or, man, those, those are the happiest people I've ever seen. They're just so warm. They're so inviting. Your homes, you go into different homes, and and what is it? There's something there. It's because they created a culture there. They created an atmosphere. And your home is, is a sphere of influence that you have dominion over. Our church is a sphere that can manifest God's kingdom or we can choose to mimic the dead religion of men. Right? Your business, do you know a business can be a greenhouse for the kingdom of God? Your business can be a place where people experience a kingdom way of doing things, or it can just be another monetary transaction. See, heaven is, wants to get into everything. It wants to get into our homes. It wants to get into our churches. It wants to get into our schools. It wants to get into government. You know, God doesn't believe in separation of of church and state. See, God is interested in invading all spheres of influence in the earth. Why? Because His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And one day it will be perfectly aligned with heaven. We have this ability to to just create these spheres of influences. And, and, And we are promised that if our hearts are aligned with the Father's heart, that everything we put our hand to will prosper. Jesus put it this way, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. That sounds like a pretty good promise, doesn't it? According, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, culture is defined as follows. The arts, beliefs, customs, institutions, and other products of human work and thought considered as a unit, especially with regard to a particular time or social group. So if we want to create culture that reflects heaven, then our beliefs Which lead to our actions must align with the kingdom. Right? That's what Pastor Tom was talking about. Renewing our minds. We renew our minds to God's way of doing things. We renew our minds to to how God sees things. Do you know what that's called? It's called repentance. Repentance isn't coming to an altar, crying your eyes out, and then getting up and walking out the door and live in just the way that you've always lived. Repentance is getting a revelation of God's way of doing things and seeing that the way that you do things don't align with God's way of doing things. And so you repent. You turn around and say, I'm going to do it the way God says to do it. That's what true repentance is. And our actions, see, we can say that we believe things all we want, but if our actions do not reflect what we say we believe, James calls it dead. Faith without works, faith without a corresponding action is dead. It's a dead faith. We do not want a dead faith because what? Faith is what pleases God, right? So if we want to create a culture that reflects heaven, our beliefs must lead to action. So what are the core beliefs that we must submit to? The first one we looked at last week, and I'm just going to, recap a little bit, because we skipped for for Christmas, um, was the belief that God is good. That God is good. 2 Corinthians 5.19, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. That's how good God is. The first truth, this first truth that we must adopt is is that if we want a kingdom culture is one that wholeheartedly believes that God is good. And this is something that we can parrot. This is something that we can say in church. You know, God is good. Yes, amen. And all the time. you know, All the time. God is good. But do we really believe it? Do you really believe it when things in your life don't look too good? That God is good. Or do we accuse God of not being good because of what we're experiencing in our life? I'm a pastor. I hear that all the time. See, God is good, and he's good not in this weird, twisted, religious idea of good. You know, sometimes religion just takes common sense and just twists it, perverts it. it. You know, this idea where they say, God will actually do evil, but it's really for our good. you know how stupid that sounds? But there's people that believe that. There might be people saying, what do you mean, Chad? I... I God does bad things to us, so it can be for our good. So you being a parent. Or maybe you're not a parent, but one day picture one day you have kids. Can you picture yourself doing evil to that kid for their good? Can you picture yourself giving your kid cancer to, to teach him to love you more? Can you can you teach can you Picture yourself um, making your kids live in absolute poverty so that they can learn to trust you more. Do, do you, do you um, picture you telling your kid how terrible and rotten they are so they can live, live in shame and guilt and condemnation all of their life? Then you being good, as evil as you are, how much more will your heavenly father not give good gifts to his children. Amen? It's so simple. We're the one that muddies everything up. As we've been saying through this whole series, it's not complicated. It just might be challenging. God is good. James 1.17 says, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. The Bible says that God can't do evil. Why? Because there's no evil in him. There's no darkness in him. And he's never going to change. Right there is something that we need to renew our minds to. That God cannot do evil to you. God cannot make bad things happen to you. God is your answer in the midst of the storm, not your problem. I, I heard I heard a, a wonderful a wonderful illustration on this. Have, has any of you ever seen a bullfight? No, but you have an idea of how a bullfight goes down. You got the manador with his little tights on, and he's got a little uh, little uh, cape out there, right? Red cape. And that bull sees that red cape, and the bull charges at the red cape, and it, As the bull goes through, he pulls the cape back and he takes a dart and stabs the bull. And then the bull gets even angrier and and the bull sees that red red cape and it charges the red cape and he goes through and he shoves the dart into it and he continues doing this until the bull becomes weaker and weaker. And then as that bull gets so weak that it can hardly move, he he takes a sword out. And goes through and kills the bull. But that is exactly the same thing the devil does to us. He holds that cape out there that has God on there. And you come towards God and he shoves a fiery dart in you. And you think God's doing it. That bull thinks that cape is doing it. He doesn't. Re- Do you understand, if that bull stopped focusing, thinking that all his trouble was coming from that cape, and actually focused on the matador, that matador would not stand a chance. See, that's what happens. Trouble comes in our life, and, and, and the, devil, the, the enemy of our soul says, God's doing it to you. If God really loved you, why would this be happening? If, God, if Jesus really paid the price, if, if the promises of God are yes or an amen, why is it not working the way that it's supposed to? And so we turn from the enemy that's causing, that, rob, that has come to rob, kill, and destroy, and we start blaming God. Are you the only ones that ever fell into that trap? No, we all are subject to to, to that. And that's why this has to be rooted and grounded into our souls, into our mind, into our heart, that God is good. God is good. God is as good as he is holy. Do you know that God is so good, he is so good that he gave his life so that you could have his? 2 Corinthians 5.19 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God is good. Amen? God is good. I don't know. God is good. God is the absolute standard of good. Everything falls short of the glory of his goodness apart from him. God is good. And Jesus is his name. We as a church must create a greenhouse. We must create a greenhouse where all that enter are infused with the miracle grow power of the goodness of God. Our homes must be an atmosphere that radiates the the constant awareness of God's goodness. That's the first ingredient. That's a foundation ingredient to have a, an atmosphere that creates the culture of heaven. Today we're going to look at the next ingredient that needs to be added to our greenhouse. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, So when Jesus has received the sour wine, this is when he's on the cross, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus proclaimed his job was complete. Everything." That needed to be done for our daily lives and, etern- and in our eternal destiny was accomplished in that moment of time. You understand that? Do you really understand that? Because unfortunately, many believers fail to grasp just how far-reaching the ramifications are of Jesus' accomplishment. There is nothing that will ever. Need. There is nothing we will ever need, even in 500 billion years from now, that will not have already been provided for us at the cross. It was that complete. It was that 100% finished. Think about this. If everything that you will ever need for life and godliness, as Peters puts it, has already been provided you at the cross, I just erased 90% of your prayers. Right? Ephesians 2 7 that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, it can be said that it will take ages, ages and ages to come just to scratch the surface of understanding the exceeding riches of God's grace. But it all started at the cross. It all points back to the cross the place where the servant king suffered and died. Listen, listen to this right here. I want you to meditate on this and let it become an ingredient to your personal greenhouse. Listen, there is nothing that will come up at any time in the future that would require God to do something in addition to the redemptive work on the cross. Let me read it again. There is nothing, there is nothing that will come up at any time in the future that will require God to do something in addition to the redemptive work on the cross. This is why the New Testament says we can enter into the Sabbath rest. God has rested. It is complete. It is finished. Say it with me. It is finished. Most Christians believe that God can do anything. But many of them don't believe that he's done very much. If Jesus took care of everything in his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, then your answer was provided before you ever had the problem. Correct? God doesn't have to do anything after the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has provided everything for us. Was Paul speaking heaven's truth when he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter? Chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for as many as the promises of God are, in him they are yes. Therefore, through him also is our amen to the glory of God through us. In him, speaking of Christ, they are yes. Therefore, through him also is our amen. Every single promise, every single promise of God doesn't have a question mark after it. Every single promise of God has a big resounding yes because of what Jesus Christ has done. God is saying yes at the top of his lungs. When you look at the cross, you hear God's yes. Yes, it is finished, it is complete. And because God is proclaiming yes to all his promises, to his children, then we in Christ Jesus should say, amen, so be it unto me. But the problem is, is most people don't understand what Christ has done, and so they question the promises. Is it a yes, Lord? Is it a no? Is it a maybe? Maybe. It is a yes, and there's only one answer to God's promises that have a big yes after it, and that is so be it unto me. This is my truth. I am not going to be double-minded. I'm not going to be unstable in all my ways. I am going to take every thought captive in Christ Jesus. I'm going to bring every situation into submission to the word of God and what Jesus Christ has accomplished. It's not complicated, but it might be challenging. If our core belief is that God is good and the next that that Jesus took care of everything, then we in turn owe him our complete trust. We, We owe him our complete trust even when things don't look good or they don't look according to what we felt We are promised, too, because God is good, and and Jesus accomplished everything. Trust is not needed when things are going as planned. You know, if I I was believing God for a a new Bible, I was believing God for this Bible right here, guess what? I don't have to believe God for this Bible. Want to know why? Because I have it. Right? It's manifested in my hands. See, faith stands in hope when the world says there is no hope. Look how this played out in the life of Abraham and Sarah. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says, In hope, in hope, against hope, he believed, talking about Abraham, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Look at that. He says, he looked at his own body that was dead, being about 100 years old, or or the, or the deadness of Sarah's womb, that they haven't been able to bear a child in over ever since they've been married. Notice he contemplated the situation, but it didn't cause him to be weak in faith. Think about this. See, we contemplate our situations all the time, and it causes us to be weak in faith. Why, why, let's find out why He was not weak in faith, even though he looked at his body, he contemplated the physical situation and knew that it was hopeless. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. How did he grow strong in faith? It's because he had a greater truth, the promise of God, the one that spoke it, that he believed. He, he seen the truth of his dead body, his 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he, compl- he, he, he thought about that. And he says, that, it's impossible in the world, but I have one that's outside of this world. I have the creator of heaven and earth. And I have a promise and I have a word from God. And he thought, meditated, and he he thought about that promise, and it caused him to be what? Strong in faith. Giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also. He was able also to perform. Do you see that recipe there? Abraham experienced the same thing we experience. He experienced hopelessness in this world. And he acknowledged that it is hopeless. But I got a promise. I got a promise that's not of this world. And I am going to focus on the promise And by focusing on the promise, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. He grew strong in faith and was fully assured. What's that mean? That means that there's no no other option, no doubt at all. He was fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham and Sarah had no hope in the natural. So what did they choose to do? They chose to reject natural hope. They chose to reject natural hope and believe God with supernatural hope. Everyone has a natural hope. You know that? We all have natural hope. And it's based on our circumstances. And it's based on our experiences. But the child of God has the ability to walk in supernatural hope, one that reflects heaven. By this hope, they can say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is only one way to receive miracles. We must reject the limitations of natural hope and seek the kingdom first and obtain God's supernatural hope by faith. As citizens of the kingdom of God, living alongside a world that is in rebellion, our lives are composed of acts of faith. Lives with, that have complete trust in Jesus' perfect work. In the greenhouse of our lives, we must Nurture trust in God. Nurture trust in God above all else. If God is true, every man is a liar. God is true, and every man is a liar. Anything that contradicts God's truth is a lie. And sometimes we're the biggest liars. Because it comes right out of our own mouth, we counter God's truth. In cultivating this, this nature of trust in God, we developed Christ-like character. And, and Jesus' own life was one of reflecting complete and unwavering trust in his heavenly father. You understand that? If, if, you, if you want the same character as Jesus, then you have to, with reckless abandonment, trust your heavenly father. Did he quite, did sometimes it, was it hard? Yes, I remember in the, in the garden. Not my will be done, but yours. Right? If there's any other way we can do this. Nonetheless, not my will be done, but yours. Our absolute trust in Jesus is because we truly believed he accomplished everything we will ever need for all eternity when he suffered in our place on the cross. Because this work was so complete, we owe Jesus our complete trust. Then th- when, even when things don't go as planned, and even when things are going as planned, he, he deserves our absolute trust. The kingdom of God is not complicated. It might be challenging, but it's never complicated. Can I read you a scripture that uh, is complicated? Hmm? It's not not complicated, but it's challenging. Excuse me, I misspoke. I'm going to read you a scripture that's very challenging, but it's not complicated whatsoever. You guys want to hear it? Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? 27 words. In just 27 words, God has given you the promise that everything you ever need is provided. Why? because of what Jesus did. This scripture should be one of the most liberating and should cause rejoicing and celebration greater than anything you have ever heard. But unfortunately, most find it more convicting. See, when we look into the mirror of the kingdom of God, it reflects how limited we believe Jesus' work on the cross was. How incomplete we have made it. This scripture is proclaiming that we owe God our complete trust. Because of Jesus' perfect work, The gift of Jesus supersedes everything that you will ever need. Everything is insignificant compared to this one gift of Jesus. What's this scripture saying? This scripture is saying that He, God, who did not spare Jesus, His Son, but He delivered Him over for who? Us all. How will He not also, with Him, with what G- he, Jesus accomplished, freely give us all things. Do you, under- I want you to understand this. If you have ever said in your life, well, I don't know if it's God's will to bless me. I don't know if it's God's will to heal me. I don't know if it's God's will to make, have a happy life, have joy. I don't know if it's God's will for my marriage to work out. I don't know. Anything that you're saying that God is not willing to give you, guess what? You're saying that it supersedes and is greater than Jesus. Because this is saying that if God did not hold back his very best, who is Jesus Christ, how will he not with his very best freely give you all things? That's grace. Now understand... There is maturity in this. James says that if you ask just for your own selfish desires, that you're asking amiss. It's it's about aligning our hearts and our minds with the kingdom of God. Allowing God to give us the desires of our heart. You understand that? And when we align our hearts and our minds with the Father, then grace flows. The promises are yes and amen without wavering. This scripture should make us rejoice. You know, you know most of you rejoiced more when the government said they were going to give you a $600 check No, in your heart, there's a little thing in you. Oh, 600 bucks. You had it spent already. You already knew what you are going to do with it. Look at this promise. Look at this promise. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? I think we need to rejoice. Let's stand up. Let's, no, come on. I'm going to make you. Come on. Do it by faith. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We rejoice that you are a God that gives. You will hold nothing back from us. You have given us Jesus Christ. We have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you need this morning? What do you need this morning? Take it to the throne of heaven. It is yours in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Completeness. You are healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Hallelujah. You have supernatural wisdom that has given to you. Hallelujah. All your needs are met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe this. This is our truth, Lord. This is our truth. We are fully assured in you. Hallelujah. Amen hallelujah hallelujah amen amen you can be seated if you want, if you can God wants us to understand the cosmic significance that the gift that the gift of Jesus is. When we have a revelation of this truth, it, it is foolishness to question our Father's heart in caring for all other needs in our life. You understand that? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God hath. You know what hath mean? that means has God has blessed us God has blessed us What's that mean Amen Thank you He has blessed us. this this promise does not point to the future but it points to the past What past is it pointing to? It points to the cross and Jesus' complete work. So if you are wanting, or if, if we are waiting on God or asking God to provide something, you're just wasting your time. You receive it just like you receive salvation. We don't need to ask God to save us, do we? We don't ask God to save us. We hear the gospel proclaimed and believe that through Jesus Christ, we are saved and we receive salvation. It's by grace, through faith, we receive salvation that has already been provided through Jesus Christ. And if it's true of salvation, it is true of all the promises of God that find their yes and their amen in Christ. You are not a sinner in need of forgiveness. You are the righteousness of God who fights and rejects sin. Do you understand that? You are not the sick that needs healing. You are the healed that fights against and rejects sickness and disease. You are not the depressed that's looking for joy. You have joy as a characteristic of your resurrected spirit and and you fight and reject anxiety, depression, and fear, everything that is contrary to the truth that is in you. You are not poor. Jesus became poor that you might be made rich, so you fight against and reject all aspects of the spirit of poverty. You are not weak. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have been given power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Galatians 5:22 verse and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Should we ask God for more love? Should we ask God To experience more love. No, we have love. Should we ask God? Should we pray for God to give me more joy in my life? Give me more joy, God. Do we need to beg God to give us peace or patience? How many times have I heard people say, Don't ask, don't ask God to give you pray for patience because you're not going to like what God does to you. I don't have to pray for patience. Guess what? I have patience. You know what? I might there might be times when I get in the natural and I don't act like I what I have. Right? Am I the only one? But th- the truth is I have it. Amen. Does God need to make us more kind or good or faithful or gentle? Do we need to live a life that's out of control based on what we have in the fruit of the Spirit? No. The answer is no. See, it's complete. It's complete. Jesus done it all. There's nothing that you need to do but believe. That's why the just shall live by faith. Everything's of faith. Nothing is of works. See this is not complicated. This is not complicated. We have all these things already in our resurrected spirit. When 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 we reflect heaven's truth, you will truly walk in the identity of your righteousness in Christ Jesus and his finished work. I could do A whole series just on this topic right here. How could you ever doubt? How could you ever doubt that you'd get something that you already had? See, I don't doubt that I have this Bible. Because I have it. If all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I already have it in Christ Jesus how can I ever doubt that I have it see the Christian life is not one trying to get victory the Christian life is one of victory and stopping the enemy from robbing killing and destroying can you see how important these ingredients are if we want to produce a kingdom culture, and our greenhouses. This right here, this, this, this truth right here will radically transform how you fellowship, how you commune, and how you pray to God. If you already have everything that you need, then it's a life of rejoicing and thankfulness. Right? In our spheres of influence, in our homes, in our church, and flowing over into our communities, we get to see the kingdom of God being manifest, his glory being manifest. Through this coming week, you need to take time and dream with God. Take time and dream with God. Imagine how this would look if your family was united in the core beliefs that God is good and Jesus got the job done. For a lot of you, that just take, just. That God is good and Jesus accomplished everything and there's nothing I need to do. For a lot of you, there is a yoke of bondage that can be broken off today if you just accept that truth. There is a law in our life of sowing and reaping. That's in this world. But we're not... We're not, our relationship with God is not based on sowing and reaping. That's in this world. Our relationship with God is based on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You can't add to it. See, some of you think that God won't answer my prayer or God won't bless me because I have sin in my life. That's wrong. Now, Hear me out. God doesn't see you in your sin. He sees you in Jesus. If you see seen yourself in Jesus, you wouldn't sin. You understand that? He sees you as the righteous God in Christ Jesus. That's the only way he can see you. He can't see you outside of Jesus. If he sees you outside of Jesus, you're damned. What happens is your sin causes you to lack faith in God. And so your sin causes you not to believe. And you not believing changes the way that you act. Do you understand that? You mean, Chad, I don't, I, I, I'm the righteous of God and I never have to sin a day in my life? And why do I still sin? That's a good question. You should ask yourself that very often. Why do I sin if I don't have to sin? That's a good question to ask yourself. See, it's not about your actions. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. And when you find your identity in Jesus Christ, your actions will change. But religion does it all backwards. Religion says, you must change. Then you will have the identity of Christ. It's impossible. You will never be able to change enough to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You will never be good enough to ever be able to receive the gift of Holy Spirit in your life. No, it's a gift of God's grace. God makes you righteous by faith. He says, You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how I see you. You are set free, you you are sealed by the Spirit of God. Now you believe it. You believe it, and then you'll act like it. The reason why you don't walk in joy, the reason why you don't walk in ha- um, happiness, gentleness, the reason you don't, w- it's because you don't see yourself that way. You see yourself as a jerk. You see yourself as grumpy. You see yourself as, you, you, you see yourself Let's just use me for example. You see yourself so, so busy and so much on your mind, trying to carry your, spin as many places you can, that it causes you to not act like Christ. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's, I'm honest. If you're looking for the perfect pastor, you ain't found them. But I know the one that is perfect. And the one that makes me perfect. You are not your actions. We, we live in a world right now that is so confused about their identity. They think the way that they feel. They think the way that, that the, the, their emotions. They, they, they think the way they dress or the, or. or or the way that they act is, is who they are. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. A believer is one that submits their life to the identity that is revealed in Jesus Christ. Take time to dream with God. Imagine how this would look if your family was united in the core beliefs that God is good. And that Jesus got the job done. That it's complete. From now into all eternity, Jesus has provided it all. What would our church look like if we came together and reflected this kingdom culture? We would, we would see lives transformed. We'd see people set free. We'd see the sick healed and abundance flow. We might actually start looking like Jesus. God has already done his part. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Now we must do our part. And that's embrace his grace by faith and live a life that he has already provided. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.